Hello! Hi there. Welcome back to the Ludinous Podcast. I'm Nick Cummings, and uh, Aaron Dare, our, your friend and mine, is here with me as well. Hello, Nick. Hey, I'm, Aaron. I'm back. How you doing? I'm, I'm great. Um, it's a nice shirt you're wearing. Thank you. It's a red and blue and white plaid, but not as American as it sounds. Like, it's not patriotic. Right? Are you sure? Is that Do your you choice to make? Is? I don't know. I don't know if, if clothes can intrinsically be patriotic or if that's something you have to kind of give to them. Like, Yeah. So anyway, uh, welcome to our metaphysics episode. We're glad you could join us. It's also a fashion podcast. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Northwest fashion podcast. Yeah, it's flannel and plaid all in one. Meanwhile, I'm wearing a hoodie and ripped jeans. So, <laughs> um, If you're just joining us, it's 1998. We're having a great time. Uh, we're actually here to talk about something in the year 2015, the year that we are actually residing in, as I just found out. And that is a recent development on in terms of how people make money. People kind of care about making money in this country, as it turns out. It's part of the American dream, I guess, is to make a, just piles of money, as far as I understand. That's how most people <clears throat> yeah. interpret it. If you define capitalism, that's... It, it's making piles of money and giving the other guy the finger. But let it not be said, I'm not a capitalist, based on that kind of sarcastic statement I made, but um, that's basically the idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, we're just it's fine. We're just ribbon on it. It's like, you know, yeah. you have older brothers or something, you tease them. You give, so, you give them some flack. So like why are people then, Nick, if it's if we're just ribbon, yeah. why are people upset about making money? In what context are they upset about making money right now? Well, any new market's going to be disruptive, right? And uh, as it turns out, uh, Valve uh, are... Well, how would you define Valve? Valve is like the stalwart PC gaming flagship, I guess. There's so many things at this point, but they've been game developers, they've been storefront runners. To me, they are the elves that cross the water in Lord of the Rings. Like, they once just made games. That's what they were known for. Like, you had Half-Life, great. And then now, they have, they, they've gone across the way with Bilbo, um, oh, yeah. Frodo, yeah. Gimli, I think, came along. Was that in the movie or just the book? I'm going to really piss off some people if I don't remember, so I'm just going to say both. Okay. Or either. I never wrote Return of, um, Return of the King, I'll be honest. I, re- I, I read them, and I've watched them. I've just forgotten my, my lore. I've got a lot of other lore in my head this these days. So Okay. Well, so I think we can keep going. Valve has become those elves who have crossed the water into this immortal land because they are now creating their own markets. They're playing... Hmm. They're playing with fire, I think some would argue. Elf fire? Elf fire, which is... You can't, dis- you can't extinguish elf fire. We That's, all know this. It, it is known. It's, it's known. You know, it actually reminds me of, uh, of uh, journalists who cross over into PR. Yeah. You know? But they have very comfortable livings. Yeah. Um, ten years on from, you know, uh, us starting college, they're probably doing great. Yeah. So, yeah, no. I'm, not, I'm not hating. No. Um, but again, here's with, to you. Here's, <laughs> here's to you. Uh, Valve are like elves. So could you carry on with that point? Pick I don't that think up. I Pick can. Pick that up for but, me. But uh, what's going on? Valve is uh, a money-making machine. Like that's pretty much what they set out to do. Uh, so its founder, Gabe Newell, is a well-known billionaire, very wealthy guy at a very wealthy company with pretty much, it's privately held as well, which means sure. they have a lot of control over how they influence the industry and what kind of businesses, business ventures they take as a company. So they started as like, hey, we want to make a really good shooter that beats the hell out of Quake and has like this narrative focus. That's where Half-Life came from. Then they decided to get into multiplayer gaming. They picked up the Counter-Strike mod and kind of brought it under their umbrella. 
Mm-hmm. Steam came out as a storefront first just for Half-Life games and Valve games and then became basically where most PC games, I think, are purchased at this point. Yeah. And in just it, the last 12 years. Yeah. Steam launched in, I want to say, 2003 in like the alpha form or something. Mm-hmm. And then beta, uh, Half-Life 2 went on sale November, I think, 2004. Yeah. Holy crap. So 11 years ago. So... <laughs> It's a lot of history. That's a lot of stuff happening. So since then, they've done a lot of things. Like, they were famously selling Team Fortress 2 hats. Team Fortress 2 is an online multiplayer shooter. It went free-to-play after being a premium game that you bought. And they started selling items in that game. Mm-hmm. First, they were cosmetic, like, just goofy hats you can wear. There were some tie-ins to other games. Hats everywhere. Hats were a joke. And then this opened up even further to the point where anyone could create, like, weapons or other objects in the game. And have kind of just been at the forefront of trying to create new markets. Dota 2? Dota 2, yeah. All cosmetic drops, but those are things that people pay a lot of money for. The Compendium every year during the International. So Dota is, you know, a MOBA multiplayer online (laughs) battle arena like League of Legends. Draws a huge crowd uh, of spectators, as these games often do. And every year they have this big thing that Valve puts on called the International, where the best teams play for just an obscene amount of money. and. So they've been selling this tie-in guide for people who want to follow, learn about the teams, and like I think you can like even fill out a bracket if you want to or it's something. It's like Tiger Beat or Teen Beat. It's almost <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like Cosmo, like fourteen tips to please yeah. your 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 league, your jungler, yeah. <laughs> your battle cat. Yeah, I don't I don't really yeah. know mobas. We but, don't play them, obviously. Yeah, but Valve does, and Valve makes yeah. a crap load of money off of it. And they've since pushed out into a new uh, area on as of the. Friday the 24th of April, mm-hmm. uh, which is in partnership with uh, Skyrim, which is a Bethesda-published RPG that came out four years ago now, almost, three yeah. and a half. Uh, there are now, it's always been a big place for mods, where people have made like anything from just cosmetic stuff to whole new levels, campaigns, uh, game-changing me- mechanics tacked on, all kinds of crazy stuff. And Aaron, to, you can tell me more about this. But... Yeah, to, to briefly uh, make a point on what you're talking about, the reason why Skyrim and before that Oblivion, the fourth game, uh, uh, Morrowind before that, the third game in the Elder Scrolls series, um, Bethesda has been always great about releasing their development tools, the mm-hmm. creation kit, um, and that happened in the Fallout 3 game too. The, yep. So they've been great about allowing modders who have long supported these games far after the normal uh, uh, retail shelf life is, is done. Um, they've helped keep these games alive because of the availability of the development tools and the fact that, I mean, you know, I haven't developed a mod, so I can't say for sure, but um, how easy it is to make a bunch of mods for these games. They're very modular in that way. So yeah. they have big communities, as you're, you're, you're talking about. That's probably where mod partially comes from. Actually, it comes from modification. Oh. But we can, for the sake of argument, <laughs> uh-huh. kind of retcon it. Uh, Done. So yeah, it's always been, I think even recently before this announcement, it had always been at the top of the most played Steam charts. Even though it's a single player RPG and that kind of goes against expectations, you'd think multiplayer games would draw the most active players at a time. Mm -hmm. So it's a good test case for rolling out this new model where uh, creators of mods can decide to charge whatever they want for their mods. And people can now buy them. And previously this used to be a situation where all mods were free except in very extenuating circumstances um, when people got permission to sell them in the in the store alongside the games yeah so what does this mean for 
for consumers. Like there's been a little bit of like concern and outcry, and of course, you know, the internet loves to complain. But like break it down for me as someone who really got into Skyrim and its mod scene. Like, is this something to be concerned about? Um, should creators be able to get compensated for their work like this, or is this just too just derivative reusing assets and not really doing valid work? I think this issue and this controversy covers every single variant and gradient of those questions you're raising. There are mods that just repurpose work or recolor armor skins of, of work that Bethesda themselves, the, the, the developers themselves, already did. So you can play very basic, almost copy and paste mods, yeah. Then there are others that, geez, to give the, uh, the Cliff Notes version of... I, I played Skyrim all total on the PC version for over 300 hours by the time Oof. I'd stopped playing it. Wow. And the reason why, the first 100 hours were, the, were the, the, the core quests, the core package itself. That's what kept me going. The next 200, yeah, there were uh, expansions, DLC packs, and things that came out. Yeah. But a lot of that, probably most of the remaining 200 hours, came through the mods I had installed. So I was a, a huge fan of the mods available and they are very high quality so you can have for example um and this is what i guess scares me as a player is there were these talented developers modders that were creating whole new skeleton meshes for your skyrim characters to where you could have sheaths for both weapons you could wear a shield on your back and change the animations for your entire character. Whoa! To uh, did it affect like gameplay too? Like, did you take less damage from behind? Or was I it don't just cosmetic? know. That a lot. That example was cosmetic. Okay. But I would not be surprised if impressive. there were. Like, yeah, and even the lanterns mod. Did you ever see that or the cloaks no. mod? So the lantern mod added real lanterns that you could have on a belt loop on the back of your character, and also equip it and hold it, and it would um, actually create a, a light source. So you could be in a uh, dungeon. And instead of having to hold a torch like you did in the main game yeah. to create extra light, you have it's like a the lantern. duct tape mod for Doom Three, isn't it? That <laughs> duct tapes your flashlight onto your gun. Yeah. yeah, and in this, you actually have the lantern when it's equipped on your belt. Is it creates light from the back of you, and it creates a light around you. You can um, put oil in there. You can get different lantern sizes. You can light other lanterns. There are lanterns that you can um, equip through that mod that are on the paths to light up the night um, roads and all that. The cloaks mod have has a realistic kind of physics added to the cloaks, so you the, the game itself doesn't have capes or hoods or anything, but these ones you can craft cloaks for your character and special ones, different colors, different materials, so it adds kind of a Game of Thrones, a very fantasy look that was missing with these epic armor sets you didn't have a cool looking cape. That's great. So, Can you do that thing where you like draw the cape in front of you and it like billows and you look all like no dramatic? No, sadly. Okay, so there's still a market for that. There's still a market. Good. So we I'm can make go money from on that. that now. Good. So the point is, is there were a lot of mods that I used in Skyrim that were cosmetic but were a very high quality. But there were also additional quest mods with unique voiceovers, uh, original voiceovers, original quest lines, wow. uh, new NPCs, new weapons. Anything you can think of, it is and has been and, and will be, even after this, a robust community for developers to mod the original game and make it better, in my opinion. So I can definitely... I actually had no idea the mods were that good. Like, I stopped at the That's one like where That's like the tip of the explanation. There are so many more mods. That, a, a whole magic systems they create. Dueling magic systems with NPCs where it's almost like Harry Potter that you can 
So if you shoot a fire spell at somebody, okay, an NPC, and they shoot another spell back at you, there's like a moment where it now locks into a duel, and you have to kind of do this. Oh, button. like the do like the two uh, Kamehameha's, like yeah, <laughs> or like Dumbledore and Voldemort, and spoiler, the fifth movie when the, they're fighting. Yes. Sorry for anyone who hasn't seen the fifth and Harry Potter. Spells that add older. add growth of leaves and trees and new entire schools of magic. So there's a lot there. Okay. So I had no idea. Like the last mod I got was the mud crabs with top hats and monocles. <laughs> which I was like, all right, great. I'm on board for modding and games being yeah. supported in Steam. There's already like I had no idea it was this high quality. Like people recording voiceovers, creating entire mm-hmm. campaigns. So it sounds like the there was already more than you could possibly go through and yeah. like a great standard of quality imposed by the community on itself. Like there was actually like a lot of good work being put into this. Ratings already existed in the Steam Workshop. Sure. So. so what does it mean now that they can start making money off of this stuff? Like the fact that these were all labors of love, does this like encourage people to devote more of their time to making even better mods like Valve is hoping? Or is this going to kind of throw a wrench into things where people are like, well, I did this for the fun of it. Yeah. I don't really want to make this my business. And uh, how do I like, does that denote something different about quality or consumer expectations looking at free versus paid now? That's a great question. Um, I would defer some of this to you. I'm curious from your perspective as somebody who is more in tune with game development than I am. But to, to add to that uh, question, so I said before I was concerned as, say, a player of the game of these costs that will restrict for me choices of um, at the height of my playing, I had maybe 80 to 100 mods installed at one time. And they didn't conflict or do anything weird? No, because that community is so, I don't want to say self-regulating because that gives a different connotation now that you can actually, the community will self-regulate these paid mods. The economy theoretically will. Theoretically. But they, there was a community built there that I don't think is going away that would talk to each other and post and work with other mod creators to make sure that their content for popular mods meshes with others. That sometimes mod packages will be uh, compiling six different mods and sort of thing. So there was a lot of um, um, solidarity involved in the mod community and I didn't have any hesitation to install say 20 mods one day just to see what they would do to the game hmm. and uninstall them so it was an experimentation for the player that yeah. was encouraged by that the steam workshop especially yeah the competing system just to note that is um you can always install these vanilla just yourself by copying them into folders in your pc so vanilla you mean like grab the actual files and then get a copy zip them, which is a little more it. complicated if you're not familiar with like system directories and yeah. like downloading weird seven zip files from sketchy websites <laughs> yeah and that's a that's a big benefit of what Steam Workshop did when it launched for Skyrim, is uh, make it super easy, just clicking a button. Yeah. Um, but the other system, the Nexus Network, and that's a network of websites. They do mods for Dark Souls. They do mods for Fallout. Yeah, that's right. That's where I got DS fix from to make Dark yeah. Souls playable on PC. So you're familiar. Yeah. Uh, they are an unpaid site. You know, they have their ad revenue, mm-hmm. but that was the competing site. And a while ago. Steam mods weren't being updated as frequently because of the restrictions that Valve had placed on file sizes and things like that. Oh, okay. But the Nexus now 
people were already noting anecdotally that the Nexus version is out of date for a Skyrim mod, but the Steam version that's paid for now, oh, it's going to be the most up-to-date version. So the critical mass was moving towards Steam's built-in solution. So as a player, that makes me concerned because it's A, going to limit my choice of, I just want to install 20 mods that are highly rated and have fun with it. Oh, these start costing money? This is $5, this is a dollar, this is 20 cents, this is 35 cents, whatever it is. I'm going to hesitate, and I'm probably just going to not play the game as much, which, okay, big whoop. Yeah. But also, as um, somebody that is concerned with the way that developers are being paid, even modders, I'm, I'm for the system. I want to see uh, independent developers, in this sense, you can call them that, yeah. are getting properly paid for their work because that's a lot of the mods that I mentioned that had to have those mods had to have taken hours and days and a lot of technical know-how so I'm kind of conflicted myself really obviously a lot of people are too I mean we just saw there's a petition that as of today like less than 48 hours later is over 100,000 signatures from people asking Valve to revoke its decision to allow people to charge for mods and I mean, people will sign a petition for just about anything on the internet if they care enough about it. But Yeah, it's as easy as typing in your name. Yeah, and who knows how many of those are like most tavern prank call names. But, yeah. Uh, so where do, you, where do you, as looking at the, um, the broad strokes of what's going on here, uh, to, we haven't mentioned it yet, but as of now, you can see it on the Steam Workshop page yep. for Skyrim. Um, creators, the, the modders, will get 25% of the cut of sales. Right. So for you, being somebody who is within the sphere of game development, would you be, how do you feel about that? Would you be somebody who would want to charge for his mods or would it depend on the mod? What would it take for you to, to use the system or would you at all? There's a couple ways I, need, I would look at it. One is, um, so I, I want to talk about the money issue of like, would I make a free or pay mod? Mm-hmm. And I don't know at this point because all things being equal, let's say I was really good at modding. Let's say I learned the creation kit inside and out. I actually spent a few dozen hours building a level in Skyrim and then deleted it on accident. So I know a little <laughs> bit about how it works and how to deploy uh-huh. to Steam Workshop. I actually, and I've done some other stuff on Steam Workshop too. But um, it's a weird, weird situation because I actually feel like the cut that modders are getting is scarily low to start with. Yeah. Uh, 25% is not a lot of money for pretty much all your work. And what scares me about that is not like, yes, you're using built-in assets. You're using an already functional game that has support to keep it updated, to keep it running. You don't have to do any of that backend work to keep your game, you know, relevant and functional, which is great. But 25% is still a lot lower than like, let's say 70%, which is what app store developers get. I think is what, um, publishers get from valve when they sell a game through steam. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a substantially smaller amount. So is that missing? Do you think that that's a labeling mods as that's all it's worth right now? That's my fear. And the, 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 what compounds that for me is that what's the, where's the line between Unreal Engine and Creation Kit and Bethesda's game engine? Mm-hmm. Like what is, what is really the difference there? Because in Unreal or Unity... You have these pre-built assets. You have lots of systems and tools in place to create specific kinds of games. Uh, the only real difference in Skyrim is that there is a built game you can add on to, yeah. which but people already buy that to play it. And then you also have all these assets, art assets, scripts, environments that you can work with and repurpose. That's worth something too. But 
I wonder if that missing 35% of revenue share is really like a fair amount at that point because like who knows how much of those how many of those assets you're going to use in creating your mod how much of it is going to be all your new content and I feel like that doesn't really there's a lot of wiggle room there between someone who's going out and basically building a new game on top of an old one versus yeah. someone who's just going to rearrange the way a town is laid out for simplicity's sake but using all built-in assets and not doing a whole lot of their own scripting or uh, asset creation. That raises a good point and I think what I envision seeing is the workshop's paid aspect will weed out a lot of the lower tier, lower quality, lower effort if you want to say that which sounds mean because anybody who put time into a mod even if it's not very huge or changes a lot in the game or uses unique assets you know I don't want to demean that but uh, the, that mod that changes just an existing asset I'm sure will be lower cost in the end after all this is the dust is settled will be probably lower rated because you're charging money for it the community is likely going to argue you should only charge 10 cents for it because it only does this one thing but i want to to go off of that point i'm curious where this leaves the idea of mods when you look at a project like skywind do you know about that no so Skywind, for those who haven't heard, it is a complete recreation of Morrowind within the assets and world of, uh, not the world, but using the assets and engine of Sky, uh, of uh, Skyrim. So is it like a wintry version of the swamps of Morrowind? Well, no, it's actually a complete, it's almost like the HD remake of Morrowind, but using Skyrim's engine, and it's a whole team of modders and oh creators who are doing this. Do they have the Silt Striders and everything? Yeah. And they have, I looked at their page last year. It's been ongoing, I think, for at least two or three years, this project. And it got a lot of updates a while ago. I haven't read anything about it recently. Uh, it might even be dead. It could yeah. be gone. Who knows? Because you know how those projects sometimes fall apart. But this is a complete redoing of that entire game. But going off of the assets of Skyrim, but also that team was recreated creating their own and doing their own texture work and doing their own voiceovers sure but they're also recreating a game that was already sold in market yeah so so is that is that a mod this nothing like that is gonna i'm assuming be on the the workshop not without bethesda's approval no but is that then say what becomes of mods that maybe larger team-based mods complete overhauls standalone work is where some of the modders go that don't want to worry about charging for things or i find it fascinating because i bet to get in the mindset of somebody who is a modder and a popular modder that makes a, a popular skyrim mod immediately thought of oh great i can make some money off of this and i don't think that that's a wrong thought no but i'm curious who's who are going to be the ones that decide yes and no to charge for their mods and why so that's a very good question. I'm really more curious to figure out what is Valve's bet on all this versus like what is, what is my own personal bet? Because like I know Valve is like staunchly capitalist. Like they've always been very very transparent about. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying they're very very big believers in creating and, and nurturing a market and finding new markets even to open up. Like mm -hmm. nobody's really had a paid mod marketplace before that I can think of. At least nothing successful or this you know integrated with an existing game and the examples you listed at the beginning of the podcast have been wildly successful yeah team fortress and dota have been buoyed 
dramatically by Even the success their pricing of those. scheme of their flash sales was a whole new thing and has changed the way we buy uh, yeah. PC games. Steam sales and the, you know, call it good or bad, the race to the bottom on those sale prices forced the hand of Microsoft and Sony yeah. to follow suit. Nintendo is the only one that's held out. And even they cowed eventually and started selling their own games for like up to 30% off, which it's for Nintendo, for Nintendo. Is, <laughs> is a very big uh, crisis, I think, for them, yeah. uh, you know, as in terms of their identity. So going back to Valve, though, I mean, I, I am all in favor of content creators finding new ways to make a living. I think the games... I went and saw Gabe Newell speak a couple of years ago uh, back in Texas, and he basically kept harping, I'm not going to butcher his phrasing, but like on this idea that um, they see games going forward, the way they define them is like as a platform for content creation. Mm. Uh, and they're like, that's a really nebulous way to put it, but now look at what's come to pass since then. So does this make sense now in retrospect, uh, yeah. this, this announcement? Completely. But it also, like, it, I think they've been right in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. look at all this, the rise of streaming. Like, that's game content creation. People are making livings off of that. And they even have that baked into Steam now. Yeah, yeah. they do. Uh, so, and the, that was before I think the Dota store expanded and, like, TF2 kind of went even to its further wacky permutations of, who knows what they're selling in there? They're, they're probably selling like college degrees in there at this point. <laughs> so they've really branched out a lot and they've really followed suit on what they said they would do. Like they really followed through on that. And I want, I mean, if anyone can really get the PC modding community to see more success, both in terms of exposure and in terms of abilities to like make a living doing what they love like that, I love that that's happening. Yeah. But I worry about an industry that already has pretty sketchy and bad labor practices. Like, look at how scary it is to work, even at an established corporation, but also, like, to go independent, to try to be an independent modder or, like, skin creator or whatever you want to do for a game. It's, you know, it's an industry that has lacked organization for the people working in it and for a long time. And this is kind of like, if you're entrepreneurial and brave and you're good at it, you're probably going to love this. But... Um, it's very Wild West, like everything they've done. And I think that what we're going to see is eventually um, some big successes, a lot of people sticking to the free model, and mm-hmm. um, more discussion about, hey, I may not be making games, but I'm also make- I'm making content for them. Am I a game creator too? And how do, I, how do we come together as game creators and like try to assert for, like let's say, that the 25% split doesn't seem fair to everyone after a while? Yeah. How do they... Do they organize around that? Do they try to push? Do they work with Valve? Are there negotiations? Is there like the creation of even like a union or something? Like where does yeah. this all play out? And I think that, I don't know. I, I, the last thing I'll say is just I think Valve is, I, I really want to give them credit for just going after these crazy ideas that aren't actually all that crazy, but just making them happen. Saying we're going to create a new market, a new, a new, an entirely new way to make a living. And we're going to support it and see what happens. We partner with this huge game that's already quite popular. We're mm-hmm. really going to give it a fair shake. And, you know, nobody else is doing stuff like that. And I may not always agree with, like, how it, the, the first version rolls out or um, how much money it goes where. But I really feel like, at the end of the day, this is a good thing. And, you know, it can always it can only get better from here. So are you going to buy any mods? If I mean, let's just say I played Skyrim yeah. still. Maybe. Uh, I, I, like I said, I have about like six mods in Skyrim. The most recent one was the monocles for the crabs. So, which <laughs> How again, much would you pay for that? I would probably pay 25 cents yeah. without hesitation, up to a dollar if they could talk. <laughs> so if you are the developer of this mod who's listening. Yeah, let's talk. I'll, yeah. Give you a, I'll send you a dollar right now, actually. Just <laughs> let me know who you are and don't lie. 
just crowdfund that development. Yeah. Um, and it makes me, I'll, I guess one last thing I'll say is like yeah. as an amateur developer who wants to go pro someday. Uh, what a what a path. Like that's yeah. actually the, the coolest takeaway for me is this is insane. Yeah. Well, tell me about that because... I, so I, I was, I look at the development of mods um, as probably the, before, before a lot of tools have changed. We talked about this on a recent episode, but the democratization of game development tools and how they're being built to make it easier for people to use them. We've talked about that, but uh, 10, 15 years ago, as just an enthusiast and thinking of, I wish I could make games, mods were to me the most accessible entry point to game development. Uh, something like Neverwinter Nights was so easy to mess around with their world creation kit, which was another Bioware game, yep. or Bio, uh, was a Bioware game, not another one, but a, a game that encouraged and had development tools accessible and easily accessible like Bethesda's games. Right. So you could make your own stories, you could change your own assets fairly simply, and to me, on the outside, this seems great. Yeah. I, I want to create a mod because maybe I don't want to yet mess with Unreal Engine 4. I don't... You don't want to learn all of development inside and out. Yeah. You don't want to write your own engine. You don't want to write your own like methods for controlling Working character. within the established game is right. comfortable. You know what the end result should expect it to be, how it's going to amplify or uh, change an existing system, but not think of your own brand new system of a game. So I want to make a, a cool sword that does this one thing. That That's great to have that part get paid for. To, to feel if you are a developer who's starting out and you are really good at skinning or programming or voiceovers or whatever, you can still make some kind of revenue, probably nothing life-changing, off of just putting your work out there yeah. in an established system. That's That's life-changing potentially yeah though and that's what's cool and a lot of the best game developers i know started out with not with like writing a game engine from scratch and trying to learn like c plus plus they were building levels or mods they were mm -hmm. building quake maps they were adding it's like tracing when you're an artist and you're right. learning to draw i want to fucking trace spider-man right that's comfortable for me it's easy to do but i'll learn something from it yeah you need to copy in order to really get there like if i hadn't started out trying to make games in Unity by cloning Flappy Bird, I would probably have been like lost for a very long time. Yeah. I would have been very hesitant to learn stuff. Like trying to replicate something is it teaches you so much about the systems you're working with and this cuts that out and lets you focus on just creating the kind of experience you want to see using some more user friendly tools. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think this is like more than even like Code Academy or like uh, Unity becoming more accessible or Unreal Engine becoming more free as it is now yeah this is probably going to do more to motivate people to want to make games and more voices creating content for existing games and also like setting the terms for it that they want to see like valve is allowing pay what you want models free models whatever price you want to set i think that's really cool i i guess it's um let's hope that it doesn't just i don't know spiral out of control thanks to petty <laughs> petty reasoning and then also petty though are, are the complaints of the, the community that has long taken modders for granted, has long taken the idea of PC being a free platform for granted. Yeah, It's always been that way, and I'm not surprised by the 122,000-ish signatures on this change.org petition. 
and I'm sure there are some great arguments to be made. I can see the concern. I can understand that, as I said earlier, as a player of, well, if everything costs money, then I'm not going to be playing as much. Yeah. If you're on a budget to mm-hmm. mod, to play your mods for a game you already bought, I get that general argument. But if the core uh, argument from them is, well, it's it's they were free before, they shouldn't be paid now if that's the core argument which a lot of it seems to be then that's not a great reasoning no and saying that something has always been this way so it should always be that way going forward has never been a good argument yeah i i'm excited and i hope that the end result of this is this system of being paid for the modifications you do brings in more content creators encourages more people who might have wanted to dabble in modding as a way to game development but we're maybe didn't see a benefit from it. Yeah. Whatever, this draws them in, and it pushes away the people that just kind of leech off of the community. Uh, monitor, mo- the monitors that make those amazing mo- changes to the game deserve to get compensated for what they do that sometimes is work better than the core experience. There, there are mods that do yeah. better work than, frankly, what Skyrim itself did. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And if anything, if nothing else, they deserve the right to decide if they want compensation for it. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you're out there making mods, uh, hope this works out for you. We want to hear from you, uh, definitely, if you are a Skyrim modder. So let us know. Drop us a line, uh, ludinist at gmail.com. And, uh, and yeah, uh, Aaron, thanks as usual for a great conversation. Um, it was my pleasure. Good. Are you going to play some more Skyrim now that this is happening? You know, all things considered, I don't have an interest in reinstalling Skyrim right now. Oh, so uninstalled. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. So, um, no, not immediately. <laughs> but if I was still playing, I I probably would turn around and, and consider buying a mod or two. Yeah. I wonder if Just Cause 3 would ship with support for this. That would probably convince me. That, that would bankrupt you. I would probably quit my job and just start making ridiculous, like, explosive barrels. And just, that would be my thing. <laughs> I see a future for you. Yeah, well... In barrel barrel development. Barrel development. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Aaron, uh, like I said, thank you. Uh, You want to tell people where they can find you? I am at Aaron Thayer on Twitter, and I am on most gaming networks as Athay, A-T-H-A-Y, or if you can't find me that way, A-T-H-A-Y. And I'm at Nick Cummings on Twitter, or you can just find me as Ymog, W-H-Y-M-O-G, on every gaming service on on the planet. You locked it down pretty early. I did, yeah. Uh, that and the domains. You know, just in case I need to, like, go under an alias or something, I got that covered. Good. Cool. Well, we will be back with another episode next week. Thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you then. Have a great week. <laughs>